You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, lead pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called 40 Days of Love. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our scripture text comes from James chapter 3, starting in verse 2. Today's message is entitled, Love with Words. Loving with our words. Learning how to love with our words. I got to tell you, this has got to be one of the most challenging topics, one of the most challenging messages that I preach. As I was preparing, I mean, literally all week I've been thinking about this and, and just kind of dwelling on it. And I took, gave myself a little test earlier in the week. About Monday or Tuesday, I said, I'm going to go, I think it was Tuesday, I said, I'm going to go today and I'm not going to say one negative thing. That's what I told myself. I'm not going to say one negative thing today. And uh, so that was my commitment. I made myself, I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm going to be positive all day. Even if, even if something really bad happens or something stupid happens, I'm not going to say anything negative. You know, I got five minutes, five minutes into that promise, and I found myself, something came up, and I was like, Poof. and then you know what you're trying to do after, after I, I'm like trying to grab those words and put them back in, but it was too late. They were already out there. It is a great challenge. It is a great challenge to speak in a way that's always building and encouraging and hopeful and full of life. And our text this morning, the basis of our message this morning, is found in James chapter 3, verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2. And we're going to read this verse together. Now, it's a little challenging to read together, but we can read all at the same time. You think we can do that this morning? We're smart enough to do that, right? James chapter 3, verse 2. Let's read this verse together. All of us often make mistakes. But if a person never makes a mistake in what he says, he is perfect. Now, all of us make mistakes. Isn't that right? All of us fall short in our communication and the way that we use our words. But I would venture to say that this one area of your life will have the greatest impact on your future and the future of those around you more than just about any other thing you do. Because the words that you speak really have the power to bring change into your world. They really have the power to bring change into your world. Now, when we were children, we learned a little nursery rhyme. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but my words will. We, know, we learned that. You know, and that is, that's got to be one of the biggest falsehoods on the planet. It's not true. Sticks and stones may break your bones, and your bones may heal, but words that have been spoken into your life literally will hang with you for all of the days of your life. I mean, words shape us. The power of words to shape our lives are really profound. And so we're going to look at words this morning and their power and their ability to bring change into our world. You know, Americans love freedom. And we believe in freedom. And we believe in the power of words. We believe in it to such an extent that our founding fathers in the First Amendment to the Constitution wrote these words. They said, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. And that's an awesome thing. 
That one little phrase has literally liberated and set millions, if not hundreds and hundreds of millions of people free, not only in this country from tyranny, but around the world. These are some of the most powerful words that have been penned in human history because it really has liberated and given men a concept of freedom. But the freedom many times has been abused. You see, we think because we have this freedom, we can say whatever we want to say. Now, you can say whatever you want to say. I I have discovered I can say whatever I want to say. But just because I can say it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. You see, I could go down to the local movie theater over here, and I could be watching some movie. You know, it's a, a first run, and it's just come out, and the place is packed. And I could stand up and yell, what? I could yell, fire. Let's try the Fire. No, don't run out of here. You could stand and, and you could yell fire in the crowded building, but guess what happens? Someone's going to come and they're going to escort you and they're going to put little things on your wrist and they're going to walk you out the door and they're going to explain to you that you're not legally allowed to do that. You see, you can't just say whatever you want to say. There are consequences for the words that we speak. So we have a moment of confession here. We all fall short of this. There's no one in this room that has this one nailed down. In the first service, I got about halfway into it. I said, you know, we ought to just stop and everybody come to the altar and lay your tongues up on the altar and say, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. Because all of us have spoken and said things, not just last week, last year. We probably said them yesterday. We probably said them even on our way to church trying to get our kids ready so that we could be in church on time. Words. Words have the power to direct your life. Words have the power to direct your life. You know, I was thinking, I, I was in my life, times that I've said things and the power that they had to influence my future. When I was a, a young Christian, I just, I've been saved for a short period of time. I've made a decision to go to Bible college. And so I went to a school called Portland Bible College located in Portland, Oregon. And I, I, I went to the city. I had never been to Portland in my life before. I went to the city, and, and after a couple of days, I'd met a few guys in the dorms, and I went down to the local mall, and there was a bookstore. And I really needed a job, and so I was trying to figure out, like, how do you find out where the nicest restaurants in the city were? And so I went down, and I, and I, I remember turning to my friends, and I said, you know, I said, I'm going to go to this bookstore, and I'm going to ask them where the nicest restaurant in the city is. And so I went in, and, and I actually told them, I said, I'm going to get a job there. I'm going to be a waiter at the nicest restaurant in the city. And so I went into the, into the bookstore, and I asked the girl behind the counter, and she gave me the name of this restaurant. And I came out, and I said, okay, guys, you got to take me down there. We're going to go down to this restaurant, and I'm going to become a waiter at the nicest restaurant in town. Now, these guys are just kind of looking at me, like, stupefied, like, what's he talking about? They weren't sure. They really didn't know me. We drove down to this restaurant. It was located on the 30, uh, 33rd story of a building in downtown Portland. And I took the elevator up, and I asked to see the manager. And I went to the manager, and I said, I said I'm one of the best waiters you've ever met. You have to hire me. I, I, and I filled out the application. This guy was just kind of stunned, and he looked at me. And you know what he did? He hired me. Now, the rest of the story isn't that beautiful, but I got the job. I got the job. The things that I spoke directed my course of action. So words have the power to direct your future. Words also have the power to destroy your life. Words have the power to destroy your life. Proverbs says it like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and we will eat the fruit thereof. 
In other words, the words that we speak, they can bring destruction into our world. The text that we use this morning in James chapter 3, the rest of the text, it begins to describe actually the power of the tongue and of the word. And, and not only do words direct us like a little rudder uh, directs a ship, but he, James goes on to say that words are like a fire. And a little tiny spark can set a great big forest fire aflame. A little tiny spark. And that's the power of the tongue. One word that you say can destroy the life of another person. It has that power. It has that potential. You know, in World War II, the war supposedly to end all words, it was started with words. It was started with words. One leader saying something derogatory and negative about another leader. And then that leader saying something derogatory and negative about another leader. And then it began to spread. And before World War II was over, over 72 million people died. More people died in World War II than any war in the history of the planet. Why? Because of the power of words. But the, the, the words that we speak also display who we are. The words that we speak also display who we are. Later on in James chapter 3, verse 10, James says it like this. He says, my brethren, he says, sweet water and salt water or bitter water shouldn't come up out of the same spring. And what happens, James says, you know what? But that's exactly what happens in your life. You see, words display what's really going on inside of your heart. What's really going on inside, the things that you've been thinking about, the things that you've been meditating about, the things that are in your heart, they will pop out of your mouth. There's no such thing as a Freudian slip. No one just accidentally says something. It really is something that's already been in there. Now, you might not have meant to say it at that time. You might not have meant to, to say it with such ferocity or such anger or, or such passion, but it was there. It was there because words are inside of you. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. One of the most powerful things that Jesus taught concerning words is found in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 12. And Jesus refers to our lives like a tree. And he says, okay, guys, listen, your life's like a tree. Now, you got to make the tree good or you make the tree bad, but you got to make the tree. And then he says... He begins to talk about this very area of your words. He says, your words are going to come from inside of your heart. And he said, every single idle word, every single destructive word, every single negative word, every single word that you say in your life that doesn't produce life, you'll be judged for. It's exactly what Jesus said. It's one of those verses when you read in the Bible, you just go over it real quick because you kind of wish it wasn't there. Because when you start looking back over your life, you realize, man, you've blown this. You haven't lived your life the way that Christ has desired for you to live. We've all stumbled in this. There's no one in this room. There's not a person here. We could stop right now, like I said. We could give an altar call. You need to repent and ask God to forgive you for things that you said that were destructive and hurtful. And they brought pain into people's lives. And you would come here. And if you didn't, you would be a liar. Because we've all done it. But see, God, by His Spirit and by His power, wants to help us today. Because see, words that are spoken in love bring health. Uh, we've been in our 40 days of love small group. We actually watched the video that's for this week. And if you're not in a 40 day of love small group, if you were not in a small group at City Church, you got to get in it this week. We got a list back there, the different host homes and the phone numbers, and you can contact our leadership team. You can call the church. We'll direct you. You've got to get into one. 
Because, I mean, they're so powerful. Our group didn't even want to leave Friday night in my home. I mean, just the things that God was doing and speaking to our hearts concerning this area. Concerning this area. You see, the words that we speak, the words that we speak really display who we are. And who does God want us to be? God wants us to be people. God wants us to be people who are people of blessing and of life. I begin to think about how Jesus did it. You see, for me, it's difficult because I realize that, you know, there's problems, there's challenges, there's trials, there's difficulties that we all experience, and I don't always know how to deal with it. I don't know, always know how to say it in the right way. And so we have to look at what Jesus did. And the first thing that I want you to see is that Jesus spoke words honestly. Jesus spoke words honestly. You see, loving people with honesty doesn't mean that we just sweep things under the rug. It doesn't mean just we have a problem or a circumstance or a challenge with an individual. We just kind of avoid it because we know if we've got to deal with it, it's going to get bigger. And, you know, it could be painful and there could be hurt. And we want to deal with, you know. And so we tend to want to just kind of push it under the rug. You know, there's, there's two kinds of people generally. There's people who are like turtles. And then there are people like skunks. Turtles, when problems and circumstances come into their life, they kind of retract back into their shell. They just kind of pretend it's not there. They just go on. It's going to get better. You know, it'll get fixed itself. And sometimes things do. But there's some things in your life and relationships that just don't fix themselves. They just don't get fixed. And so we're back here. And then what happens with the turtle is that, like, you know, you poke a turtle long enough, and what does the turtle do? You ever seen a turtle pop its head out of its shell and kind of snap? Now, you know, they're so slow, they can't do anything. But a turtle, you prod it. I mean, they're inside, and you push it and poke it. I mean, every little boy's pushed a little turtle around. And you poke him long enough, and he's going to pop his head out of the shell, and he's going to try to attack you. Well, that's what happens. We're turtling. We're just kind of burying the situation, the circumstance. We're not dealing with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, this one little issue that this person does in our life, bam, we pop our head out of that shell, and we just, we attack. Other people are like skunks, though. You know what skunks do? Skunks let everybody know that their smell is in the room. Everybody, I mean, they want everybody to smell their pain. They want everybody to smell. And so, boy, they will deal with stuff. But they're always dealing with stuff. And it just seems like they're always confronting stuff. And everyone knows that they got a problem. And you know the people like that, they generally tend to go from place to place. And everywhere they go, someone else is causing their pain. And they're letting everybody else know there's a problem. And I got a problem with you. And and people like that. When those kind of people come into your life, what do you want to do from those people? You want to run from them. You know, being a turtle or being a skunk isn't very productive in building healthy relationships. And so we got to speak to people honestly. The Bible says it like this. We are to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Now, Jesus dealt with some difficult, challenging people. With the hypocrites, people who were saying one thing with their mouth and they were living a whole different kind of life. Jesus confronted them and he called them. Come on, he called them what? Hypocrites. How many of you like to be called a hypocrite today? Oh, we're all hypocritical at times. We all, we all say things that we don't do. We all make mistakes like that. But their lifestyle was that of hypocrisy. And Jesus confronted them. And some of them responded. Some of the people that Jesus confronted responded. But other people didn't respond. And when he called them hypocrites, it just made them madder. It made them angrier. They found more problems with his leadership. They began to hurl accusations against him. And actually, those are the people that caused him to go to the cross. 
Jesus confronted his friends with honest words. When Jesus was with Peter one time, and Peter was full of pride, and Peter was all about self, and Peter wanted, you know, Peter, I mean, he was popular, and Jesus was famous, and all these things were happening, and Peter's life were good. Jesus began to tell Peter, hey, Peter, this is all going to change. I'm going to die on the cross, and you guys are going to go through persecution. And, and he's like, no way, Jesus, that ain't going to happen. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to fight for you. It ain't going to ever happen, man. Hey, we're riding this wave. Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, if Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to you, like, ow, come on, that hurts. But it was all about Peter. See, it was all about Peter. And Jesus said, Peter, this isn't all about you. This is about my purposes flowing through your life and coming into the world to bring change, to bring love, to bring hope, to bring forgiveness, to bring the message of good news to all the planet. And you know what Peter did? Peter did respond. Peter did respond. And see, because Peter responded correctly to those honest words, he repented. Now, it took him a little while. He had to process it. He had to go through a lot of pain. He did deny Jesus. All those things happened. But when Jesus came to Peter after he was resurrected, Peter repented. And he fulfilled the mission and the mandate that Christ had called him to. And as a matter of fact, Jesus had told Peter, he had prophesied over him. He said, Peter, upon you I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And that's exactly what happened. 2,000 years ago, this man, Peter, man who had had a lot of pain and, and made a lot of mistakes, he stands up and he preaches and thousands of people, literally thousands and thousands of people, heard the message of hope and they gave their life to Christ. You see, that's the power of what happens when we deal with things honestly in our life. So we got to deal with words honestly. we got to speak the truth, but we got to do it in love. Sometimes, sometimes we just want to speak the truth. We just want to unload ourselves. We want to unload ourselves of a burden and of a problem. But the goal isn't restoration or redemption. When Jesus spoke the truth into people's life, it was always with the purpose of bringing hope. So truth and love... Uh, we're Christians, and we know how to speak truth. But many times our truth isn't in love. The second thing I want you to see this morning is that we must be careful with our words. We must be careful with our words. We love people with careful words. Three areas that we've got to be careful in. We've got to be careful in our anger. We've got to be careful in our gossip. And we've got to be careful in speaking too many words. You know, the fact is you are imprinted and you are impacted by words that people say to you. When people who are close to you say things that are derogatory or really negative, it can really, really, really hurt. Paul the Apostle, in addressing this issue, addressing the issue of anger, says it like this. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. You see, we all get angry. Jesus got angry. As a matter of fact, when Jesus got angry, Jesus went into the temple, temple and they were exchanging money. They weren't about the master's business. They weren't praying. They weren't doing the things they were supposed to be doing. They were just kind of living whatever kind of religious life they wanted to live and thinking it was okay with God. And Jesus goes into the temple and he expresses anger. He expresses anger and he turns over the temple. He turns over the tables and he drives them out. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. See, Jesus dealt with anger. We all deal with anger. The, the, pro, the, the fact is, it's, it's not that you're going to get angry, but it's how you deal with it. It's how you deal with the anger that's in your life. How do you deal with it? Are you explosive? 
You just get it off your chest. So we all get angry in our relationships with our spouses. There, there is no one in your life that will make you as angry as the person who is the closest to you. Isn't that true? There's no one who will make you as angry as the person who's the very closest to you. Last night my wife and I were having dinner, and I've been thinking through this message all week. I've been processing this and thinking about it. And, and I said, you know, like, what do you think, like, the five biggest fights that we've ever got into her? And, uh, boy, she could, you know, she started naming a few up. And a couple of them I literally, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the arguments. But one that she brought up, or I brought up, one of them that we brought up, I really remember. And it was one of those moments it was 20 years ago, you know, so it was a long, it wasn't the fight that we had last week. This one happened 20 years ago, okay? But, but, this, uh, but uh, this argument that we got into, this discussion, this heated discussion that we got into, I mean, we were both at fault. But really, I was the one that was ultimately at fault because I said I was going to do something. I didn't do it. And so it led to, like, this real intense conversation, to say the least. But I remember after that experience, I remember feeling so terrible inside. I mean, I, I, I just literally lost all self-control. I lost my self-control. I was just verbally abusive. I said terrible things. And I remember leaving that experience, telling myself, I'll never do that again. I said, God, by your power, I'll never do that again. Because I could see that explosive anger that was in me. I mean, it was just the same kind of anger that my dad had. The same kind of, same kind of anger that my dad had, had exploded on my, my mom with and on me with and my sisters with. See, because Paul says that if you don't deal with the anger, it can gain a foothold in your life. And I remember God helped me. And, you know, that was 20 years ago. Now, I've had some close moments, but I've never, ever, since that time, I've never, and I pray by the mercy of God, I never lose it like that again. I've come close a couple times, but never like that. You see, anger, I mean, it leaves an impact in your life. When you explode on people and you say things in a very harsh and mean way, it brings destruction. It brings, it brings death. The next area is this area of gossip. Now, Christians, we don't gossip. We have prayer requests. We share prayer requests with one another. We don't gossip about each other. We just, you know, brother, brother Bob over here, you know, he's got a really big, I mean, it's so big, I can't believe it. I mean, it's a real, we really need to pray for brother. Don't you think we need, I can't believe brother Bob did that. What do you think? You know, and, oh, Sister Sally over here, you know, Sister Sally, I mean, her husband, you know, he's been staying out really late at night. I think there's something. We really need to pray for her. I mean, we find ourselves saying things about other people that we have no business saying. And the fact is, is that we are no part of the solution. The only thing that we can do is spread a negative report. And if you have no part of the solution when you are sharing a report with someone else and it's in a negative fashion, you know what the Bible calls that? Oh, we know what the Bible calls that? What does the Bible call it? Gossip. And when Paul lists the sins of the flesh that will not inherit the kingdom of God, he says idolatry and drunkenness and fornication and sleeping around and adultery. And then he says gossip. Now, we don't talk about it in the church. We don't deal with gossip in the church. We could just stop right here and give another altar call. 
We just gave another altar call right here, and everyone that's gossiped this week, we're just going to ask you to come up. And if you don't come up, you know what? If we held a gun, if there was a bad guy in the back and said, you got to tell the truth or you die, everybody would be down at this altar saying, yeah, I committed gossip. I said something about somebody I know I shouldn't have said. We'd be repenting, wouldn't we? But we sit there smug and think, you know, you know what? I wish, I wish my sister was here today. She really needs to hear this message. She has a real problem with her tongue, and I think she should be here today. And if you're thinking that at this very moment, you know what? God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you. Because you've been thinking wrong. You've been thinking wrong about other people. You've been judging other people. You've been looking at other people with a judgmental eye and a critical eye. And you know what happens when that happens in your life? You start to say things. You start to gossip about other people. The last area that we deal with in being careful with our words is just literally talking too much. Proverbs says it like this, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. I mean, just keeping your mouth shut will save probably 60% or 70% of the problems you have in your life. Just not, re, not, re, not reacting to another person. Not talking too much. We were in our small group on Friday night, and uh, there was one person in our group who was really quiet, and they didn't say anything. And there were several of us, you know, me, I'm just talking, and Julian likes to talk, and Austin. We got three or four of us. We're all just talking, you know. And I kept thinking, I want to hear what this one person who hasn't said one thing tonight, I want to know what they think. Because I have a feeling that there's something really inside of them that's really good, and I'm just thinking, man, I want to hear what they got to say. You see, I know that I like to talk, and a lot of us in this room like to talk. And you know, it kind of reminds me of this story of, of Bethel and Bernie. Bethel and Bernie had been married for a long time, and they had a, they had a running argument in their home. Uh, Bernie would always accuse Bethel of talking too much. And he said, you know what, I know that women, they talk twice as much as men. And Bethel's like, no way, Bernie. Men talk just as much. And I mean, this was an ongoing, long-term, long-standing argument. And every once in a while, you know, she'd be jabbering on with Sally over here on the phone. And, and, and Bernie would be sitting there, man, the women always talk. And one day, Bernie comes home from work. And, and he comes in, sits down in his lazy boy. And he gets his remote control. And he's got his newspaper out. And, and he opens up the newspaper. And there inside the second page, the top article, there's an article that says, Women speak twice as much as men. Oh, Bernie had all the information he needed. He said, Bethel, Bethel, it says it right here in the newspaper. Women speak twice as much as men. Silence. Silence. Bethel thinks to herself, yeah, that might be true. But because women have to repeat everything that they say. (laughs) Then Bernie says, what'd you say? You know, the fact is we all have a tendency to talk. Every once in a while you meet someone, it's true. Every once in a while you meet someone, there's a guy in our church doesn't say very much. As a matter of fact, I mean, like, other than hello or hi, that's about all he says. And so I'm always like, okay, what is he thinking? I know he's a smart, he's a really smart guy. So I'm like, what does he think? Well, other than that, like, one guy that I know, the rest of you probably talk too much. We all do. We all have a tendency to say too much. And then because we talk and we're not thinking about what we're talking, those words go out there. And those words, some of those words are good, but some of those words aren't so good. And some of those words are flat out ugly. Some of them aren't good. So God's speaking to us today about being careful in our words. And then the last thing that God wants us to do in this area of speaking our words and the way that we can demonstrate love is by speaking words that build other people up. Speaking words that build 
other people, building words, words that bring hope, words that bring life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says it like this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Words that build make a difference. Words that build make a difference. Have you ever had someone who really believed in you in your life? Have you ever had someone, you know, your mom believes in you, your mom believes you're the greatest thing since sliced cheese, and, you know, and that's good, and moms need to believe, and dads need to believe in their kids. But have you ever had a teacher or a mentor or a friend really believe in you? You know, if you have in your life, you're a very lucky person because most, most people, many people go through their whole life and never have anyone that believes in them. I was fortunate that in fourth grade I did have someone, but in third grade I had a teacher named Mrs. Hicks. And I remember Mrs. Hicks really well because she didn't believe in me. Matter of fact, Mrs. Hicks was, you know, it's one of the, every child has that teacher, you know, it's like the terror, you don't want to go to school, they don't like me, and that was exactly Mrs. Hicks. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't give Mrs. Hicks some fodder and some ammunition for not liking me, like, you know, third graders. I remember one time, a bunch of us, all the boys in the back row, we were twisting Kleenexes and sticking them up our nose, and, and you know, when she was up at the chalkboard and she turned around and there was a whole row of boys that had, you know, I, I can understand why she could get angry at times, you know, but... But Mrs. Hicks, she, I mean, she really had it in for me. Greg Thornton was the teacher's pet. I was definitely not the teacher's pet. And I remember one time she got, and I said something. We were in a, in a group. We were working on a project, and I said something kind of mean to Greg. And, and she yanked me by the arm, and she pulled me, and she drug me outside. And, you know, and, and got the, the uh, tile walls, and she took my head, and she just literally, she picked me up. I mean, she's like that. She's like so mad. She's shaking. And then she grabs me by the throat, and she slams my head against the wall. Don't you ever say that again. I mean, that was a terrible, and I mean, I was like terrified. I finished third grade. I did not want to go back to that school. But fourth grade, I mean, God must have just smiled on me. Because fourth grade, I had the teacher that literally made an imprint and an impact on my life. Her name was Miss Miller. And as much as this other lady didn't like me, Miss Miller liked me. For the first time in my life in fourth grade, I was the teacher's pet. Now, I don't know how that happened, but I was actually the teacher. I mean, at least I felt that way. Maybe she made all the kids feel that way, but I felt really special. And I remember, you know, every time she needed somebody to run an errand, I'd raise my hand, and she'd call on me and have me do the errand. I just, I really felt special around her. We'd take a field trip, and back then, the teachers, you know, before they had buses taking kids all over, and everybody was worried about lawsuits, parents used to come down to the school, and they used to ride, and this is a public school, they used to ride in the cars with the parents, and they'd take field trips, and, and Miss Miller, I always got to ride in Miss Miller's car. And we probably took three or four, I mean, I remember, like, three or four field trips that year. And I, I can still, like, take you on a play-by-play of what the day was like in Miss Miller's class. I mean, she really made an impact and an impression on my life. She believed in me. And you, by speaking words of life and affirmation and hope, you can build someone up. Your words will build them up or your words will tear them up. Tear them up. Build up or tear up. It's up to you. Now, in relationships in marriages in particular, but in every relationship, you got to have some ground rules. you got to have some ground rules. I told you about that, arc, that discussion, that heated discussion. It literally was a fight. My wife and I was 20. Of course, like I said, it was 20 years ago, but we really got into it. And I remember, I remember that we had laid some ground rules our very first year of marriage, very first, mar- year, very first year of marriage. 
And one of the wor- one of the ground rules that we laid in our marriage is that we would never use the D word. We would never say that. We would never speak that. And let me tell you, I mean, anytime two people get together who haven't known each other very long and, you, and you're married and you're living together, there's going to be conflict because you do things differently. Our first week of marriage, uh, my wife didn't know that I didn't like mayonnaise on my sandwiches. And so, well, actually, it started off, I didn't like French toast. I didn't like eggs, kind of, you know, how they do that on the French toast. I didn't like French toast. So our, my, my, her very first breakfast she made for me was French toast. And I remember I walked out there, and I looked at the French toast. I said, oh, I don't really like French toast. That was the last time she ever made breakfast for me. <laughs> and then she's going to try it again, so she's going to make lunch for me, and she puts mayonnaise on a tuna sandwich. And I'm like, oh, I don't do mayonnaise, and I don't do tuna. That was it. Never made lunch. No, I'm just kidding. But, I mean, you don't know each other. You know, and... and my side of the bathroom, I mean, I screw the toothpaste lid on every time. I mean, every time. You could go to my drawer, and the toothpaste lid is on. That's why we have to have separate sides now. And she has her side, because then she can do I don't care. She can do whatever she wants. But on my side, you know, I have it. You know, I want it my way. And you have to really draw some wor- lines in the sand about the kinds of words that you're going to say. you got to draw some lines in the sand about the kinds of words that you're going to say to your children and about your children. Because, see, every person, every parent here wants their child to excel. And when your child falls below the grade or misses the mark or makes mistakes, there's a tendency because so many times we kind of live our lives vicariously through our child that we become frustrated and angry. And we can say some very hurtful, damaging things to our children. And most of the time when we say things like that, it's really because we're just angry with ourselves. We're not happy with ourselves. So you've got to draw, some, you gotta some, draw some, uh, some lines in the sand of things that you'll never say. Because if you don't do that, when you get into the moment of anger, when you get into the moment where it's tense, you'll say things that you shouldn't say. We could stop right here, right now. We could give another altar call. And this altar would be full of people who need to ask God to forgive them. Because you've said some things in your relationships. you said some things that have brought death and destruction and hurt. But how do you? How do you? How do you build people up? One of the ways, it's a really simple way that you can do it, is you can praise them. You can praise them. Just speak words of encouragement. I mean, words that are true. Even if it's a small thing that they do, you can speak words of encouragement and praise over that person. You know the person, and I've had people encourage me, Pastor, you did a great job. But you know what? When my wife encourages me, when my wife praises me and says something good to me, man, I just like, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I wore a tie for a funeral, and I put that tie in, and she said, boy, you look good in a tie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I look good in a tie. Yeah, ooh, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, it made me feel so good, just her saying that. You look good. Speaking words of praise, when you start to do that, when you start to speak words of blessing, you're making an impact. You're bringing change into your relationships. You have a relationship problem right now. One of the first things that you can begin to do is you begin to think about that other person differently. You see, the natural mind begins to think of all the problems and all the problems that you've had and all the things that have been said. The natural mind sees all the faults and the failures. That's the natural mind. It's easy to pick those things out. But the spiritual man begins to look for the good, begins to build, begins to speak words of life and hope and blessing.
blessing. So you begin to praise. But in order to praise someone, you've got to start thinking differently. You see, everything starts right here in the mind. The mind's the battleground. You win and lose the battle of your words in the mind. Because it first goes from the thought into the heart. And from the heart, it flows out of the mind. So you've got to think differently. You've got to think differently about people. You've got to believe in them. You've got to believe. And that isn't always easy. It isn't always easy to believe in people that have disappointed you. And that's really the Christian message. Because if you think about it, think how God believes in you. And think how many times you failed him. And he still believes in you. He still believes in the potential and the power in your life to change. Because just like Rick said last week, God's spoken promises over you. God's spoken promises over you. And when you surrender and make yourself available to the Lord tonight, you know what happens today? You know what happens? God begins to do something in you because you're thinking differently. You're thinking differently about people because now you begin to think like God thinks. So you've got to make a choice today. I love what Rick Warren says. He kind of gives us an acronym. He says, you know, before you speak, you have to think. You got to think. Now, I thought, you're not going to remember this acronym, but if you just do this, if you just think before you you speak, you will save yourself a lot of grief and a lot of pain. Just because it's true at that moment, just because what you're feeling is a perception of truth to you, doesn't mean, number one, that it's true, and number two, doesn't mean that it needs to be said. So first of all, is it truthful? Is what you're saying truthful? Does it hurt or is it helpful? Is what you're about to say, is it going to hurt the situation or is it helpful to the situation? Is it inspirational? Is it encouraging? Is it life building? Is it necessary? Is it really necessary for you to say what you're about to say? Give me the K, please. Is it kind? Is it kind? Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report. If there is any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. You see, when you begin to think that way, then your mind begins to change. And when your mind begins to change, your heart begins to change. And then you begin to speak words that bring change. You speak words that bring change. The last thing in your outline, there's a list of words. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to people. I believe, you know, and maybe what I, it wasn't even what I said. It just kind of sent you down a trail of thinking about an area of your life. Just kind of sent you. And I didn't hit every area today. There's so many things to talk about. I mean, I just thought we just need to stop in this 40 days of love and talk about words and communication for like the rest of our lives. Because it's something that we do all the time, every day. And it has the greatest ability to impact and change not only your life, but the life of people around you. The words that you speak, other people take notice of. And the words that you speak have the potential and the power to change. Are the words that you speak kind words? Are they gentle words? Are they pleasant words? Are they honest? You see, when you get really honest with people you can sp- and you start practicing this, you don't just sweep things under the rug. You don't just, like, I'm not going to deal with this because it's too much pain. Listen, we've all done that. I, I was telling first service, I remember while uh, several years ago in this church, I just didn't deal with an issue, and I kind of swept it under the rug. And when it finally came to the surface, it was really painful. And it wasn't just painful for me, but it was painful for a lot of other people that were around. I thought, man, I really blew it. I said, you know what? 
I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to make City Church a no-gossip zone. And if I see people that are gossiping and talking about other people, I'm going to go after it. And I'm going to be honest with you because I love you. And I love you so much, I don't want your life destroyed, but I don't want to see other people's lives destroyed. And if you're a Christian in this room, and there's other people that are gossiping about other people around you, I mean, they're sharing prayer requests. I mean, if they're sharing prayer prayer requests about other people around you, you stop it right there. Don't be party to that. Be honest with them. Say, hey, I don't want, I mean, I can't do anything about that. I can't change that situation. And they're words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Are they wise? Are they beneficial? And then I want you to write one last thing here. Are they faith words? Are they faith words? Are they words of faith? Are they words of faith? See, words of faith move mountains. Words of faith move mountains. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. The word that saves is right here. Listen to me. The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth. As close as the heart in your chest. It is the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and to set things right for us. This is the core of our preaching. Let me tell you today, it is the word of faith. Give the Lord a great big hand clap. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. It's the word of faith that welcomes God into your world to do a work that set things right. You see, when you begin to speak faith, then hope begins to flow. And when hope begins to flow, love is a natural byproduct. And when love begins to flow, it covers a multitude of sins. And when a multitude of sins are covered, then lives are changed. And when lives are changed, there is joy in the house. And when there's joy in the house, there is peace in your God. Let me tell you, it is the word of faith. And it welcomes God to work and set things right for you. Are you speaking faith? Are you speaking unbelief? Are you speaking hope? Are you speaking negativity? You see, when you speak that word that's right here in your mouth, it's as close as it in your heart and is in your chest. You welcome God to go to work for you. You see, you had a truth encounter this morning. You had a truth encounter. The word says We need to guard our tongue and watch our tongue. That's truth. But the fact is you can't do it without the Holy Spirit's power. You need the saving, regeneration, strengthening, sustaining, helping power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it, folks. Oh, that was a good message, Pastor. And then you leave here and you're driving down the road and the guy at the stoplight doesn't make the left-hand turn with the green arrow quick enough. Hey, come on, stupid. Ah, ah, ah. What happened? You had a truth encounter. Yeah. Woo. Hallelujah. Ooh, that was good, Pastor. That was so encouraging. Oh, you did so good. And then there's no change. And guys, that's what happens. Glenn expressed to me yesterday what I have felt so many times. Glenn expressed to me as a pastor what I've experienced, because I've been doing this for over 20 years, so many times, preaching the truth, and then hanging out with some of the people that I preached that very week to, and them saying the exact opposite, or saying things that I just dealt with in a message, and just like, never heard it. It didn't make any difference. 
You see, when it doesn't change your life, you know what's happened? Your heart's become hard to the truth. And so you need to open your heart right now. I want you to stand in this room. You need to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is here right now. Thanks for listening to this message, Love with Words, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.